If the car clipped my left side, perhaps just knocking me over gently, if such a thing were possible, then I figured I would get at least three days away from life in my forties. I obviously didn't want any head injuries or facial scars. Looking in the mirror was already a confusing daily ritual. Further damage beyond the ever-deepening frown lines would be unhelpful and upsetting. All I needed was a small bump, enough to warrant an ambulance with a siren followed by a short but revitalising stint in a hospital bed. I was desperate for stillness, so that I could figure out what the hell was going on, to make sense of this gradual but disturbing emotional unravelling. This odd sense of losing myself, this weird panic, and I needed a moment alone without being ambushed by my memories of days gone by. It was all so strange. I'd lost the ability to remember the password to my computer, yet the day we first took our toddler to the London Aquarium or the moment my dad gave me away at my wedding more than two decades ago would suddenly pop into my head. Crystal clear memories right down to the smells, sounds and even temperatures. This technicolour footage would stop me in my tracks and take my breath away. This previous life kept flooding into my current life, unexpectedly splattering me with melancholy mayhem. It was bewildering. It was as if I was being stalked by the woman I used to be at the stage of life where I had begun to look for signs of who I was now, because I didn't really know. I was baffled and discombobulated by it all at the age of 47. I'd get to the end of the day and wonder where I'd put it without knowing what it was. I had that feeling of continually rooting around in my handbag looking for my keys, fury mounting, but there was never a sense of relief because I never found my keys and each day the search began again. I was sleeping less and catastrophizing more. I kept muttering, what's wrong with me, under my breath. It's a phrase my increasingly independent teenage daughters said to me every time I appeared anyway, in that way teenage girls have of brutally dismissing their mums. But what was wrong with me? Almost everything, it felt like. As well as the surprise of being constantly ambushed by my previous life, I had also developed a low level of panic and anxiety. I was either sorrowful all the time, or worried all the time, or furious all the time, which was not like me. I'm generally quite a perky person. I was also intermittently overwhelmed and exhausted, and I'd started to do the death maths, calculating how long I had left in days. I expected to turn around and see the Grim Reaper standing in our kitchen, petulantly tapping his watch like one of my teens waiting for me to give them a lift. I was in the autumn of my life, and illogically, this was a terrifying realisation. Running out of time made me feel suddenly trapped by the small regularity of things. The biscuit tin being put in the same place every day inexplicably tipped me over the edge with indignant rage. Why can't it go here, I would demand, moving it dramatically to some impractical shelf as my perplexed family looked on. Or here, putting it in the dog food cupboard under the sink and slamming the door. Why does it have to belong somewhere to be in the same place all the time, I yelled. Maybe I wasn't talking about the tin, maybe I didn't think I belonged here right now. I didn't know where I belonged anymore. Before something went wrong with me, I didn't feel this unpredictable fury. I didn't care where the biscuit tin belonged. I didn't have time to be specific about biscuits, I just ate them. I had turned into melancholy Rhea from the TV sitcom Butterflies. But how could I be that old, all of a sudden? And out of the blue, there were some mornings where I couldn't sum up the energy to care about anything. I just wanted to drip around the house all day, as my daughters would say, like a sad midlife goth, taking clean laundry slowly up and down the stairs, answering emails with one word. My WhatsApp chats were now filled with vignettes of other women my age encountering similar confusion, brain fog and unpredictability, all of them asking, is this normal? Am I normal? Who am I now? 
Women I knew had taken to inexplicably crying in cars after dropping their kids off at various activities. Some were sitting in supermarket car parks for hours, thinking, rather than going home. None of us knew who we were anymore. Every time I looked in the mirror, it took me by surprise. I would suppress a sigh, or a good God, what is this now, shriek. I didn't want to look younger. I wasn't cross about getting physically older. I just didn't know what personality would match my changing face. Maybe I should try a middle parting instead of the lifelong side one. That's how mad I'd gone. Perhaps that was who I was now, a woman with a modern middle parting. My teenage daughters said they would rather never go out than go out with a side parting. Would this make me feel more relevant, less invisible? I would have to find some eyebrows, though, to replace these 90s disasters that I'd noted even Kate Moss couldn't pull off these days. I had started to wander into rooms wondering why I was there. I would spend hours looking for stuff, phones, hairbands, keys, and raging relentlessly at the behavioural issues of white goods, especially the printer, which our small dog had taken to guarding. There was a starburst sweet stuck in it that she wanted. Most sentences began with me saying, I'm sorry, what was the question? Over and over again, like some absent-minded daydreaming professor of uselessness. You are like a mug without a handle, a friend told me when I asked her what was wrong with me. What is a mug without a handle for, I wondered. It was dangerously hot, that's for sure, and when I say hot, I mean angry. So yes, what I desperately needed was a run-of-the-mill accident on the way to Tesco. But I had to be careful to keep my right side, the dishwasher unloading, packed lunch making, lid putting back on, Christmas card writing, sock pairing, WhatsApp messaging, doing my actual job side in reasonable working order, or it would become even trickier to push on through what I knew instinctively would take some time to fix. After my fantasy incident, accident, whatever you want to call it, paramedics would take my phone away. Hurrah! And that morning, before stepping off the pavement at exactly the right moment, I would have made sure my underwear was unremarkable. During a recent MRI of my ovaries, these go wrong when they stop working, like ancient attention-seeking tumble dryers, the female technician had declared my black M&S knickers a bit fancy for day-to-day. I had apologised to her. It wouldn't happen again, I promised. What was I thinking? What was wrong with me? In less fancy pants, I could lie in my hospital bed and work out what the hell was going on. Repair the glitch in the matrix. I just needed a small amount of time, and something funny had happened to time. I didn't understand it anymore. The bit behind me felt endless. So much had happened. Childhood, leaving home at 16, a career, marriage, motherhood, friendships, pets living and dying, holidays, parties, love affairs, people living and dying. But the bit in front of me was hurtling towards me at a terrifying speed. Tomorrow would be gone in a minute, surely. I felt as if I was about to gingerly open the gate to Sniper Alley, the last part of the journey where anything could happen, some of it possibly fatal because the end was literally in sight. This was like living through a darker-than-usual episode of Tales of the Unexpected. My daily soundtrack seemed to be the lyrics of that 80s tune Live It Up, Hey You with the Sad Face, by a band called, ironically, Mental as Anything. Yet nothing extraordinary had happened in my daily life, nothing dramatic or tragic to cause this out-of-character creeping sadness. This unusual and unexpected sensation of being lost, of loss, of being alone in a void between yesterday and tomorrow. It was an unnerving and lonely place to be, and I seemed to be mourning the end of something I didn't know had finished, or that had finished suddenly without my permission. This feeling had slipped into my life without me noticing, and now I'd lost my mojo. 
I couldn't feel hopeful or optimistic, which was unlike me. How did I get here? I frequently wondered. Where did I fit in now? I wanted to be back in the then and not in this now, to pinch my nose like Mr Claypole in Rent-A-Ghost and reappear walking up the street outside our house, pushing the buggy with one of my little girls in it and holding the warm hand of my son on the way back from school or sitting on the tube to work, clutching my first coffee of the day, enjoying that Monday morning feeling of being competent, busy, relevant and needed, of belonging. I didn't want to be over halfway through. It felt so unfair which is why I had started to fantasise about a minor accident, so that I could go to hospital for some uninterrupted stoppage where I would patiently and logically think about all this malarkey. I would rediscover my positivity. I would rest, find my ability to sleep again, and I would follow the advice they give you when you are drowning in the sea. Stop thrashing about and turn to lie on your back. I needed to lie on my back, and then I wouldn't get dragged under. I feared being dragged under the most. Lying on my back, floating through all these feelings, surely I'd be able to work out exactly what was wrong with me. Then I could set about finding what I had lost, probably the most important thing I owned, my identity.